Where's Neil Peck? Neil. Neil, can you come on up? Neil was, and I were chatting this morning, and, uh, and he, just, I just, he was sharing something with me that happened this week, and I thought, man, he's got to tell the whole church this. Here, you can use this mic right here. Get rid of this gum. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got some gummy ones to get rid of. <clears throat> just stick it underneath the pew there. Perfect. All right. So, thank you very much, Sean. So, Neil, what day was this? Was it Thursday or something? Uh, now you're asking me that. Okay, it doesn't matter. But one day this week, you had some three, God, three God encounters. So, yeah. tell us about that. Anyway, listen, I'm just a 75-year-old guy who loves the Lord. I'm a little rough around the edges, but... <laughs> and, and I've been uh, working with him for... Since really 1981 is when I started my struggle. <laughs> and... Uh, I love it. But it, you're never too old for the Lord to be working. Yeah. And, and it's not about me or not about you. It's about him. Amen. Amen. And to do, this week, I had the blessings of three times in one day within a four-hour period. <laughs> I said, I can't handle this, God. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's too much. But anyway, the first was a young lady that, first of all, I want to pray before I start. Okay, I sure. Dear Lord, thank you for your son who you graciously gave to, to, to save sinners like me. Mm -hmm. And let, me, let us pray for Jessica, Adam, and Dougie, who are those three people that I experienced with this week. I pray always in your name. Amen. Amen. Anyway, the first uh, occasion... You went to the dentist. I went to the dentist. Yeah. So an average routine thing we all do, right? <laughs> yeah. But God can use that. Yeah. But <clears throat> six months prior to that, at my dental visit for my cleaning, my friend Howard... Where's Howard at? Right there. Uh, well, one day at men's group, Howard uh, had a couple... Uh, had shown us this card, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Am I taking your time up? Oh, just, yeah, just. <laughs> so uh, uh, I said, Howard, I'd love to have some of those. So he gave me a couple. No, he didn't then. He brought them back, I think, the next week or something anyway. So uh, I had my appointment with the hygienist. Gwen, this, we connected. The Lord connected us a little bit, you know, and this... I could tell that she was once and so on. As I was leaving, I handed her the card, and I says, you know, he loves you, mm. and I love you. So anyway, six months goes by. This last week, I go in for my cleaning. This young lady, Jessica, I, w I was hoping she was going to be here this morning, but uh, she'll come. Mm. And uh, anyway, she said, Neil, I'm looking so forward to this meeting. Well, how... How can you be looking forward to going in some old guy's mouth to clean his teeth? <laughs> you know, she's obviously lying or, or she's truthful. So I found out very quickly she was truthful. In that 20-minute cleaning, we were, I sat in the chair for an hour and a half, and her and I prayed. We cried. Mm -hmm. uh, Amen. And uh, she, she loves the Lord. She was, she was raised in the church, but things happen. Uh, they discarded her because she has two children and she's not married yet. So mm -hmm. I don't think Lord, uh, we don't judge that. The Lord does that. So anyway, Amen. pray for Jessica. 
I was hoping she'd come to the picnic today, but anyway. Maybe she, she will. She, maybe she will. Second, I leave there. I'm so excited. <laughs> you tell this. This is great. <laughs> like, I can't believe this. So I run up to the church. My daughter, who is the secretary here, or the administrative, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm so happy, really. I, I, and I grab her hand, and I squeeze it so hard, I barely made her cry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, but she said, you know, you got to So anyway, I shared this story with her. And, and uh, so then I, I go down, park my car Commercial Street, because I walk every day. I go up Prince, down Walker, down Queen, up, down the Commercial, around, because it's flat. I have COPD, and I cannot breathe very well, so it's easy to walk. I get out of my car on Commercial Street, and my friend... Dougie comes by and he's crying because he hasn't had power. Like that thing blew his back down on his house and he couldn't wash and he couldn't do this. And, and I just grabbed him and we got down on our knees right on Commercial Street <laughs> and prayed. <laughs> yeah. And off wow. he went and we, to get a shower at the fitness center and I carried on with my walk. I get home. Just pulling the yard, the Purelator truck drives up. This is Adam. He, nice young man, 34 years old. I said, oh, we got something in common. My new pastor's 34, I think. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's true. And, he, and he's a wonderful guy. I love him. I don't even know him yet. <laughs> so, uh, Adam's, uh, are you Neil Peck? Yes. Well, I have a part of the... And he says, Lord, I hope you're not upset because you're late. I said, late? No, I wasn't expecting it until today. He said, well, I thought you wanted it yesterday. No, Lord. And he said, Lord, two or three times. So I said, well, how do I work for here now? <laughs> I said, what do I do now, Lord? <laughs> and I said, well, you must be a man of the cloth. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and he said, well, no, I don't go to church, enough, but maybe I should. And, and uh, I said, well, you seem troubled. And he started crying. And I'm, I said, oh, I can't take any more of this. And I'm crying. <laughs> and so out my front lawn, we're on our knees praying again. <laughs> Adam was shared with me. His wife took off on him and took his son out of province. And he can't have any contact because she's not allowed to do that. It's legal. So he's going to court on the 17th of September. Let's all pray for Adam. He gets his son back. Amen. And we get him here in the church because yeah. he is a, he's a good guy. And uh, But anyway, the point is the Lord is always working, even as old guys. Yeah. So listen to him. Amen. Yeah. Listen to him. Thank you very much yeah, for listening to me. God. Amen. Hey, thanks, thanks, Neil. Man, I just love that. Like he said, man, just God is always at work, right? And we just need to be paying attention and listening. And, and Neil was so obedient when he had these opportunities just to, just to take them, right? Uh, and uh, so thank you, Neil. That was so good. And it's inspiring to me personally, too. All right. I want to show you a picture. This is a family photo that we, we just as a... No, not there. There it is. Yeah. So... Uh, our Fredericks family, the whole Fredericks family, my mom and dad and my sister and my brother and my, I and all of our families, we got together 
in August for a photo, a family photo session for the first time. We've never done this and hired a professional to come in. And so this is our, our family photo. Uh, there's me and Julia in the middle. You can, you recognize us, my mom and dad next to Julia there, my sister next to my mom and her husband and, and daughter and uh, two daughters and son and my brother over on this side and his wife and three sons. And yeah, it was just a wonderful time. Uh, 11 grandchildren my parents now have. And uh, yeah, we're really blessed. Um, my, my, we have five kids. My sister has three. My brother has three. And uh, yeah, we, we went from two to four. We never had three. We went from two to four, right? We, <laughs> we skipped three. Uh, and then we couldn't stop with four, so we had Caleb. And now we're done, just so you know. People might be wondering. Might be wondering if we're having more. We're not. We're done with five. Five is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are very blessed. Um, anyway, God has really, really blessed us. Some of you have some, you know, you look at your families and you have wonderful families. And, um, you know, some of you have uh, grandchildren and Anyone here have great-grandchildren? I'm sure some of you have great-grandchildren. Wow, yeah. Any of you have great-great-grandchildren? Is anybody here that's got great-great? No. Who's got great-great-grandchildren? Where's Sophie? Raise your hand, Sophie. You have just great. Okay. But in your mind, they're really great. They're double great. Yeah. Well, praise God. Um, now, many people have a lot of different ideas about what church is. And what it's all about. If we went downtown with a microphone and asked people uh, on the street and said, "What do you? What do you? How? When, when we say the word church, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?" You know, we'd probably get a lot of different responses. Some we might not like. Um, but one of the clearest biblical definitions of what the church is is simply family. Family. Okay. You know, the 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 first uh, the first Sunday that I was here as your pastor, someone had put these really nice signs on the doors and. One of them said, welcome to the family. And I thought, yeah, that's really, really great. Um, and, and it's very nice. Thank you, whoever did that. Um, that's absolutely how we should be thinking about this thing that we're doing here together as family. The Bible uses a few different images for the church. The body of Christ, a fellowship, the bride of Christ, a temple, a flock, but family is one of the strongest. And so the title of the message this morning is One Big Happy Family, as we think about what we're doing here as the church. Now, we're going to read in Mark chapter 3 this morning. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it with you to church and turn the pages as we, as we uh, look into it together. The words, the scriptures will be on the screen. But it's always good to have your Bible with you. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, or you don't have a Bible that you can understand because it's not in plain English, we have Bibles here that you can, you can have. Uh, and I'm not sure who to talk to about that or where they are, but... Take one from the pew. That's right. Sometimes uh, I have left my Bible in an unlocked car, and sometimes you're going to lock the door. I said, no, I want someone to steal my Bible. Um, <laughs> that would be great. Um, okay, Mark chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to start at verse 31. This is a scene here with uh, Jesus and uh, his disciples, and not just the 12, but a whole, a whole big group of disciples, people who have been following him for some time at this point in his ministry. He's gaining popularity. Crowds are starting to follow him. He, he's packing out the venues that he's going to, which are usually houses. Um, but he's, he's, he's getting quite a following. And so he's gathered together in this room with all these people, 
and he's sitting, likely, and everyone like in a chair. And probably what's the scene would be normal at that time for a rabbi to sit and teach and, and for the people who are listening to sit around his feet on the floor. So this is the, what's likely happening here, and this is the scene here, Mark chapter 3, verse 31. And it says, And his mother, this is Jesus' mother, and his brothers, Jesus' brothers, came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he, and he answered them. Jesus said, Who are my mother and my brothers. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, a couple of things here before we get into this. Some people will read that and they go, Hold on a second. That said Jesus' brothers. Did Jesus actually have brothers? And the answer is, Yes, he did. Some people say, well, Mary never had any other children. She maintained she was a perpetual virgin for her whole life. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus had half-brothers, of course, Mary and Joseph. Joseph wasn't Jesus' biological dad. Um, so Jesus, uh, Mary had, had children after Jesus uh, with Joseph. Okay, He had half-siblings. Half and uh, they weren't big fans of Jesus uh, very early off in his ministry. Uh, but after the resurrection... We know at least one brother, James, became a follower of Christ, which is a pretty big deal. You think about that, right? You know, your brother is going around saying that he's God, and you're not, you know, you think about your own brother. My own brother, you saw in the picture, right? My brother says, hey, I'm God. Yeah, sure you are, Kenny, okay? Um, uh, but then, hey, Kenny dies and he rises from the dead, and I go, okay, actually, maybe he is God. And, uh, and, and so this is, so anyway, this is Jesus' family, mother, and half-siblings. It seems like Joseph maybe died early when Jesus maybe was younger, because uh, we don't hear about Joseph. Um, so... This is Jesus. He has real physical family. Other people say, well, hold on a second. As I read this story, uh, Jesus seems mean. You know, his family wants to talk to him. And then Jesus is like, yeah, they're not my real family. Like, doesn't Jesus seem, no, that's just how we read it. But that's not really what's happening here. Uh, Jesus loved his natural family. We know that because there's a great scene when Jesus is dying on the cross. And his mother is there. And he instructs John, the beloved disciple, Jesus' closest friend, to care for his mother after his, after his death. Obviously, he loves his family. So that's not what it's about. But what's really happening here is that Jesus is using, a te is using this moment as a teachable moment. This is what he did all the time. Right? As he's going about and things are happening and he's making encounters, he's always, always teaching. He's always teaching about the kingdom of God. He's always teaching about who he is and what he's all about. Every moment he gets, uh, sort of like Neil here this week, where God just gave him these opportunities and he took them. So Jesus took an opportunity, right, where they said, hey, your family's outside and they want to talk to you. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something about family. You are my family. You are my truest family. Uh, you people in this room who love and follow me, who are doing God's will by, by following me, the Christ, the Messiah. Uh, you are my brothers and sisters and mothers and uncles and aunts and cousins and so on. And when more and more people became Jesus' disciples, the family grew. It says in Acts chapter 2 of the first Christians that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this was a growing family. And here's the cool thing is that those of us today who accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, 
we also join the family. The family is still growing. This family of Jesus is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and if we turn to John chapter 1, there's this great, I love, John chapter 1 is one of the best chapters in the Bible, by the way. I encourage you to read it on your own. Um, but in, in uh, verses 12 to 13, it says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Children of God. You know, uh, in our culture today, you hear this often where you'll be talking to people and, and they'll say, you know, we're all God's children. You know, you ever hear that? People say, we're all God's children. You know, <laughs> right? Like, you've probably heard this, I assume, right? You know, <laughs> I love how much you guys laugh at my jokes. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you six months and then you'll, just be, over, you'll be over it. But um, anyway... You know, you know, people, it doesn't matter what you believe. We're all God's children, you know. And, like, that's not true, okay? It's not true. We're not all God's children. Uh, we, we can become God's children through Christ. But everybody is not God's children. Um, we're all created by God. He loves us. He made us in His image. Everybody is an image bearer of God. Absolutely. But you, we must be born again. Jesus said that you must be born again. You, you're not by default in the family of God. You must be born again into his family. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's when we become God's children. Until our, and not until our sin problem is resolved by the blood of Christ. Until then, we remain outside of God's family looking in. So the Bible does use that imagery of being born again into his family. It also uses imagery of being adopted into his family. You put those two things together, and it's this amazing picture of just how much God loves us, right? I mean, those of you who have children, you can relate to how much love you have for this child that you birthed, that has your DNA inside of them. You know, it's just this amazing thing, the love that you have. And some of you maybe have adopted as well, and you can relate to that, all, that also that feeling of the immensity of the love that you have for this child that you chose. You know, maybe they were rejected in some other way, but you chose them. And because you love them that much, and both of those images relate to us as belonging to God's family, that God both, you know, we're born again. There's a birth thing that, you know, he, he's made us new. And also, he's chosen us. So we're born again and adopted. It's so great. And we become his children. Now, when we use that phrase, you know, as Christians, you know, because we can say it as Christians, that we are children of God. When we say that, sometimes, though, if you've been around church for a long time, we use that pretty lightly, don't we? You know, you know, yeah, I'm a child of God. Cool. Or we'll sing it, you know, I am a child of God. And that's great. But do you, have you thought about that? You really process what that, the immensity of what that means? To be a child of God. We talked last week about how huge God is. You know, he spoke galaxies into existence. This incredibly powerful, almighty, unbelievable, holy God. And yet, when we accept Christ, we get to become his children. And it says that we can call him Abba, Daddy. Man, that's amazing. Jesus says... You can call me your friend. Incredible. Process that. Consider how much he loves you. Christian, you have become a child 
of God. That's incredible. But you're not an only child. Any only children in the room here? Yeah? Got some only childs here? Um, yeah. When you become a child of God, you join a family, and you're not an only child. Uh, you've joined a massive family, a global family, a worldwide family called the church. And this thing is huge. I mean, it's, it's billions of people, and it's, and it's not just the people that are alive today, but you join the, the saints of all the ages, you know, everyone who has ever followed Christ from the very beginning 2,000 years ago all the way 2,000 years of history of everybody who loved Jesus. You're part of this family. This is incredible. And so the, the church, we talk about the church being a global church, but we also talk about a local church. So we have this huge global church, but then we have the local expression of the global church, the local chapter of this huge worldwide organization, and that's that's this. That's our, that's our local church body. That's when we gather together like we're doing this morning. I want to show you another family photo. You saw the first one of my family. Here's another family photo. <laughs> this one is not nearly as well taken as the other one. Um, <laughs> took this last week, those of you who were here uh, in the, the storm Sunday. I know a lot of folks were away, but um, anyway, another family photo. Just, just, I just want to do something. I know that in church we like to sit and face forward and not interact with people as much as possible, some of you. But if you want to just take a moment and just look around the room. Just look around at people. You know, you can make eye contact with strangers. That's okay. Just look around the room, okay? All right. Okay. As you look around this room... Jesus said, looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. As you look around this room, you're not just looking at people that you go to church with. You're looking at brothers and sisters. We are family. We are, we are family. All right? <laughs> now, here's the thing about a family, right? Um, a family can be a one big, happy, healthy, functioning, great, awesome family, or it can be a highly dysfunctional, unhealthy family. Some of you maybe can relate to the unhealthy, dysfunctional family thing. And when I grew up in Aylesford. Some of you know that Aylesford, Nova Scotia, down in the valley. And there's a zoo in Aylesford, you know that Oakland Farm Zoo? And uh, I grew up right at the intersection, the main intersection in Aylesford. There used to be an Irving gas station, and there's a need store. Some of you maybe know that area. Well, my parents had still lived right to this day to, in the, right on that intersection in a big old farmhouse. And uh, there's a sign for the zoo. And this, if you're coming down Highway 1, the zoo sign points at our house. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, accurate, accurate. I always thought it's very, very fitting because, yeah, I mean, we put the fun and dysfunctional, our family. Absolutely. Um, and some of you can relate to that. And some of you have had truly terrible family experiences. I know that. I know that. So some of you, when you think about family, it's not a good association in your mind. But uh, this doesn't have to be true of our church family. Our church family can be this amazing group of people who truly love each other and care for one another and do life together. The Bible has a lot to say about how we should treat one another as family. I just want to share a couple points, um, uh, just a couple really simple thoughts as we think about 
What does it mean to be a, a church family? What does that look like? How does that play out? Uh, and, and, and I think if we're going to be a healthy family, we've got to get these two things as, as beginning, as starting points right. And they're this, really simply, get together and get along. <laughs> get together and get along. Thank you for laughing, Shannon. All right, um, and I'll add this. Get together and get along so that we can get on with it. Because God has given us as his children a mission, a mission, an incredibly important mission, an incredibly important job to do, to add to the family, to be fruitful and multiply, to help others join the family of God. So first let's talk about what I'm saying when I say get together, get together. The most basic understanding of what that means, practically, as we're talking really practically, what does this look like to get together as a family? It means, as a starting point, show up on Sunday morning. Okay? You're here this morning, so I'm preaching to the choir. But show up. When we get together, when we are doing stuff, be there. You know? Be present. Um, you can't say you're part of an organization if you never show up for the meetings. Or you can't call yourself a student if you never attend classes. Uh, and you can't call yourself an employee if you never show up for work. And it's pretty hard to call yourself a Christian if you don't participate in your local church. In Hebrews 10, it says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, as some people do. But encourage one another. you got to get together to do that. Encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Guess what? It's even closer now than it was 2,000 years ago when they wrote that. So, we've got to get together. Get, up, get your butt out of bed on Sundays and come to church. Join your church family. Am I allowed to say that word in church? <laughs> I'll tell you, if the extent of our Christian family time is coming together once a week for a church service, okay, that's, that's a starting point. But if that's all you're doing, and, you know, like I said, facing the front, trying to avoid human interaction, um, maybe shaking a couple hands and going home and that's it, then we're missing the point, okay? Uh, in Acts chapter 2, and I want to read this. Now, this is a description of what the early church was doing, the first Christians, as they got together. You know, what, what did their community look like? This is what it says in Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, I'm not saying that we have to do that, our, you know, the church needs to look exactly like that uh, in the 21st century. I'm not, and I'm not, definitely not saying that you need to be at the church every time the doors are open. In fact, I, I don't want you to be here every time the doors are open, okay? 
because if you're here all the time doing church stuff, you're never going to be out there ministering to your neighbors. So that, I don't want you here all the time. Um, but listen, to, as, as you read that, just put that scripture back up for a second. As you, as you read that through, just get a sense of the kind of community that they had amongst themselves. The kind of fellowship that they had, right? It's just like the level of, of care and fellowship. The, the, the level of hospitality, right? A lot of stuff, they were doing it in their homes, right? Come, come, they were sharing meals in their homes together, and they were sharing of their resources with one another. Essentially, they were doing life together. They were just, they were, they were just instead of like, you know, something, you know, people have said, you know, a man's home is his castle, right? And I think a lot of us take that, you know, quite literally, and, and, we, and we draw up the drawbridge, and we have the moat, and we like to have our, you know, our privacy, and we don't want people intruding in our space, right? This is, a, this is my space, and you're not allowed in. And that is not the way it's supposed to be for Christians. And maybe you don't like that, because, hey, I like my space. Well, when you join a family, and you, uh, you know, you kind of have to give up some of that. Our homes need to be places where each other come and fellowship and we eat together and we talk together and we pray together and all these things. Um, we are brothers and sisters and our family needs to get together. Our family needs to share in life with one another. We need to be connected. We can't maintain a healthy family if we never connect with one another or if our only connection is, is a weekly worship service. So we need to figure this out. You need to think about this. All of us need to think about this. How does it, what does this practically look like in my life? How can I be more connected in community with my church family? And, and, and maybe that means uh, joining a small group or home church or whatever, right? And, and, and maybe hosting that in your home and saying, I want to have, have a home church in my home and I want a group of people to come in here and fellowship with us and we'll pray together and we'll study God's word together. Maybe that's what that looks like. Maybe it means... Opening up your home uh, for a meal every once in a while and having people in and sharing in fellowship that way. Maybe it's as simple as picking up the phone or sending a text and, and asking people how their, how their day is going, you know, or showing up to their kids' sports games or stuff like that, you know, doing life together, discussing God's word together over coffee. I know Tom Higgins is good at that, right? He took me out for coffee the other day. We just talked about God's word together. Like, that's what I'm talking about, that kind of stuff. Helping each other out in practical ways, you know, when we moved in a couple of, four, uh, how many weeks ago it was now that we moved in, but man, you guys, like, as a church family, just surrounded us with love, and like, people came and helped us paint, and people brought us food, and lent us tools, and all kinds of stuff, and helped us move furniture. Like, that kind of stuff shouldn't just be happening when the new pastor shows up. That should be, like, all the time. All of us fellowshipping with one another, loving one another as family. We need to be involved in each other's lives. So one of the most basic things that we've got to do to be a healthy church family is to get together. But when we get together, we've also got to get along. Okay? Getting together isn't very much fun if we can't get along with one another. Some of you have families and you're like, Thanksgiving's coming up and you're thinking, oh boy, uh, this is going to be painful. Okay? Because... Uncle, whoever's always got his, he's wearing his Make America Great Again hat and, and you know, you're, whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, my brother and I, when we were growing up, uh, 
uh, we would always, always fight. My brother kind of picked on me. I was a little scrawny, and he was the hockey player. And Anyway, he, he would just pick on me all the time. My mother would always say, be civil. And she would say, be civil, you two. And uh, guess what? Me and my brother, as we have grown up, guess what? We're civil now, right? Uh, we don't fight anymore. Uh, we don't always agree. You know, we argue about politics and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, typically that's what happens when you grow up. Some of you, maybe you had siblings, and when you were kids, you fought all the time, and then you grew up, and now you're friends, right? Um, and, and that's happened with me and my brother as well. And the same needs to be true of the church, right? As we grow up, as we mature spiritually, we should put aside the petty differences, put aside the fighting, put aside all that stuff, and, 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 and be friends. A healthy church can't be a fighting church. Our fellowship should be known by our love, our joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And if the Spirit is in our midst at work, this should be the fruit of our family. Uh, There's a great story, uh, a man named Elias Shakur. Um, I met Elias Shakur. J- uh, Janet, where's Janet? Kilowee. Janet, Janet, where's Janet? Over here. Janet and I met Elias Shakur in Israel, in Palestine, actually. Um, and uh, Elias Shakur, I, I read his book before, I went to, before we went on the trip. And uh, he was raised in, in Palestine before uh, 1948 when Israel became a nation. And uh, anyway, he's got a, a, an interesting story, really interesting story. But uh, he's seen firsthand all through his life um, the conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And it's affected him very personally. He describes himself as a Christian Palestinian Arab Jew, which is like four things that you think none of those things can work together, right? But he is all those things. He was Palestinian, but he, you know, he was, grew up in Palestine as a Jewish Christian um, uh, of Arab descent. So it's an interesting combination of all those things. Um, and, and yet, so he spent his whole life, and he's a, he's a, he's a priest, and he, has spent his, and he was, uh, in his, when he reached the peak of his ministry, now he's, he has a school, but he was the Archbishop of Galilee. So Jesus' territory. Pretty amazing. Anyway, uh, he, uh, he spent his whole life and his whole ministry working towards reconciliation um, anyway, when he was started in ministry, he went to this fr- his very first church. He came out of seminary, went to this little church in a town called Ebeline, and we visited Ebeline. Um, and uh, <laughs> this church had like a handful of people still attending it. It was a very, very sad situation. And there was so much conflict, right? There's a small town. All these people are connected, you know, like Canadian small towns, right? Everyone's related to each other. And... Uh, and there was all this family infighting and all these dynamics, and there was only a handful of people who still came to the church. It's primarily a Christian community. Uh, by the way, Christian Palestinians exist. You might not know that, but they do. And uh, we need to be praying for them. It's a very persecuted minority of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, we're talking about a Christian family, right? In living in Palestine. Anyway, so he's in this very small church, and it's just, it's just uh, it's like pulling teeth to get anybody interested in doing anything. Well, there's one service a year where everyone comes to church. One Sunday a year when they all show up 
And that's Palm Sunday. I don't know why, but it was tradition in that community that one Sunday a year, everybody comes to church. So he had been trying to get people to come for months and months and months. And finally, on Palm Sunday, everybody shows up. But the, the room is just full of tension. Nobody's talking to one another. They're there just sitting, facing forward, um, waiting for this thing to get over with, checking their watches, just hoping right, that it will be over soon and they can leave so they don't have to talk to one another because they all hate each other. And they're all related. <laughs> so he's, he preaches his sermon and it's just dead. I mean, there's no, no response at all. And he steps down off of the platform <laughs> and he comes down and this is when typically he would offer a benediction and everyone would leave. But instead of offering a benediction, there was an aisle down the middle of the church. He just walks down the center of the church, down the middle aisle, and he takes a padlock and a chain, and he locks the back door. <laughs> so nobody can leave. They're trapped. And he says, we are going to stay here as long as it takes for you guys to start forgiving one another and loving one another and acting like Christians. And so, they sit in silence. Minutes pass. Five minutes. Ten minutes. He said, writes in his book, he says, I can hear the sound of, of a boy and a donkey walking up the, the street. People are coughing, but no one's saying a word. Finally, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes of silence pass, and somebody finally stands up. And they go over to their cousin or somebody on the other side of the church and they look them in the eyes and they say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me for all the things that I've done and said? And that triggers this huge moment when everybody in the church is reconciling with one another and they're forgiving one another and they're standing up and they're crying and they're hugging and they're kissing and, and, they're, and, and, and he says it goes on for like an hour of everybody just talking and loving and, and saying, I forgive you and I'm so sorry. And, they, and he said that he opens up the doors and it floods out into the street and, and, and then it goes all day long and into the evening and they're in each other's homes and, they're, and he said it changed everything. It changed everything. I asked him when I met him we, uh, in Ibeline on our trip in June. I, I told him, I said, I, my favorite story in the book of all the things that you did, my favorite story was the story of when you locked the doors of the church. And, uh, and he said, that is very dangerous. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah, you know what? If I did that here... You know, the cops would be here, right? You guys would be like calling 911. The pastor is holding us hostage. But anyway, amazing, right? I don't know what relationships are like in this church. Uh, and in case you think I'm preaching this message because I think you all hate each other, that's not the reality. Um, maybe the relationships in this church are great, but I'm sure because we're all human, there are some that are not. And maybe some of that forgiveness... Maybe some of that, that, uh, that bitterness that you're holding on to needs, to needs to be, you need to let that go. Maybe there needs to be some moving beyond past things that were said or done that hurt you and, 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 and whatnot so that we can get on with it, okay? Because we have got an important mission to do and we've got to love one another and be family so that we can get on with the mission. Hey, praise God. What's she doing? Oh, oh, cool, that's cool. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah, they're going to bring us our order at McDonald's. <laughs> so that's like a thing, like if your kid needs help, then they can, oh, cool. See, I'm learning stuff. This is neat. Jesus' prayer in John 17. Uh, before Jesus went to the cross, John 17, he, he offers this prayer to God. And it's this very important prayer. I mean, it, it, you got to read this, right? Jesus' prayer for us. He prays, he prays, for, he prays for the church. And, 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 he, and he literally prays for us, like you and me, because he says, I, I'm not just praying for the people, my disciples now, I'm praying for the disciples that they're going to make, right? So he's praying for the church forever. And his number one prayer in that prayer to God before he goes to the cross is that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. Man, the Trinity, you know, as he and the Father the, 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 and the Holy Spirit, the three of them are one, like perfectly united. And he said, that's what I want for my church. God, that's my prayer for my church. So that's our goal. That's our dream. It should be one of our top priorities. You know, we are sinful people. It is not always going to be perfect. But our, our, we need to strive towards being one big, happy family. Um, never perfect, always with some work to do, not always agreeing, but striving to be family, quick to forgive, with love for one another, being our most defining characteristic. So that people outside the walls of this church, when they hear the name Emmanuel, Baptist Church, they will think, their first association in their head will be, oh yeah, that's that group of people that really love one another and care for one another. They're like a family. I want to be part of that. In your bulletin, I put an insert, the one another's um, of, the, of the Bible. I'm not going to go over all that with you, but something for you to look at. This is all the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about how we as the church are supposed to treat one another. We need to, we need to look at that together. Uh, as God's children, our Father has a mission for us. Our mission to help others join the family, to help others become children of God too. And we can only do that effectively if we're loving one another like family. Because let's face it, nobody is going to want to join the family if the family is not the kind of family you want to be part of, if it's unhealthy and dysfunctional. And neither will God bless us if we don't love one another. This is the number one commandment, right? Love God and love others. Love one another. This is like at the center of it all. So how can we expect God to bless us if we're not being obedient? So, brother, sister, family... Let's get together and get along so we can get on with it. Amen, amen, amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay.